Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of the For the Love of Data podcast. I'm Robert Furr, a consultant with Capco out of Dallas, Texas. And today I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about the blockchain and what that is if you haven't heard of it, just a quick introduction. And then specifically a service called SIA, which is a new implementation of blockchain and what you might say is the ultimate file storage solution built on top of that. So let's dive right in. First off, if you haven't heard of blockchain, it's a permissionless distributed database that maintains a continuously growing list of transactional data records. The design means that it's hardened against tampering and revision, even by operators of the nodes that store each of the data pieces. The initial and most widely known application of blockchain technology was Bitcoin. That's one of the foundations of Bitcoin is it running on blockchain technology. Its structure has been found to be highly effective for other financial vehicles, one of which we'll talk about today. Other cryptocurrencies, financial service groups are using it. Basically, anybody that desires the uh, the use of smart contracts and being able to distribute things with guaranteed authenticity, uh, those are people that are very interested in blockchain. At a high level, it has three things, consensus building, transaction validity, and automated resolution. So it has an ability for a significant number of nodes to converge on a single consensus of the most up-to-date version of a data set, such as a ledger. Uh, transaction validity is the ability for any node that creates a transaction to determine whether that transaction is valid, it's authorized to take place, and whether it can become final, meaning there's no other conflicting transactions. And in the situation where there is a, a conflict, there's automated resolution um, that ensures that two conflicting pieces never become part of the confirmed data set. I'm going to put some uh, diagrams in the show notes, uh, and you can find plenty of information online about how blockchain works and what its fundamentals are. Uh, but at its core, each block contains a timestamp, which is when the block was found, a reference to the parent, which was the previous block, and it, it has a hash that lets you delineate where it came from. It has something called the Merkle root or the transaction root. This is a reduced representation of the set of transactions that are confirmed within that block. So it could be a hash of subhashes of multiple transactions within it. You've got to have at least one transaction within it. Uh, any other ones after that are optional. Um, the target is the difficulty of finding a new block, and that's updated after a certain amount of blocks when a difficulty reset occurs. And then you have the block's own hash. Above all of the other header items, uh, excuse me, all of the above things that I just mentioned, except the transaction data itself, gets hashed back into the block hash, which is, is proof that the other parts of the header have not changed. And that right there is what becomes the parent of the next su succeeding block. So every block leads to the next one. And when you distribute all of these out in multiple nodes, each node can tell whether someone tries to tamper with any piece of it. Uh, I've got another graphic in the show notes that shows basically if everybody's on a high block, say 91 or 100, and someone tries to go back in and alter another block before that because new blocks are always coming on, in order for them to do that, they would have to alter every single block after them, and they would have to have a way to do it before everybody else finished just that one next block. So it's very, so I, I know I kind of hit that 
pretty quickly and it's really hard to imagine it without seeing a diagram. But if you imagine people counting blocks in a sequence, say that you had blocks laid out on the floor, in order for someone to alter the number of blocks that are there and that everyone thinks is there, if you have a group of people counting it, one person would have to try to basically get ahead of the game and add some new blocks in or take some blocks away before the entire rest of the group got to the next number. So very, uh, very unlikely that someone would be able to do that. Um, it goes into how many people control what percentage of uh, the compute behind uh, the, the blockchain. And there's a lot of details. I'm not really going to go into uh, an incredible amount of detail on, on this because I really just wanted to hit the fundamentals of what blockchain is. But again, if you have questions on that, hit me up at ForTheLoveOfData.com or on Twitter at LoveOfData. I'd be happy to talk about it more with you. And today, what I really want to dive into a little bit deeper is a new implementation that uses blockchain technology. It doesn't use Bitcoin, but it's called SIA. And SIA is a decentralized network that is built around the concept of file sharing using blockchain to store your information and also using blockchain to run a cryptocurrency that you use to pay for that storage. So it's a decentralized network that places encrypted pieces of your data on dozens of nodes. Their goal is to be the fastest, cheapest, most secure storage solution and compete with the likes of AWS, Google Cloud Platform, Azure. They basically want to use distributed computing in the blockchain uh, to compete with the 800-pound gorillas in the room. Like I said, users pay in what are called SIA coins. It's a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, uh, and it's a little bit convoluted right now how you have to get to this now. Bear in mind that everything that I'm talking about with this, this is a new product, a new offering. It's a little bit in its infancy. Uh, but if you wanted to get files stored in this decentralized network today, um, you would have to take dollars or other currency, transfer it into Bitcoin, then exchange that for SIA coin, and then you can place SIA coins into your wallet on their, basically on your account on SIA, and then you can upload files. And there's a charge for the amount of storage that you have, as well as the bandwidth whenever you download it. Uh, some other things to note about this, this is built on open source technology. You can actually go out to GitHub. I'll have that link in the show notes, and you can see the, um, the source of what they've built. Uh, the folks that started it are uh, two guys named David Vorick and Luke Champine. And it was started through uh, a, a VC-backed company in Boston called Nebulous Inc. That's what they're running as. It's got origins all the way back to a 2013 conference at MIT called Hack MIT. One other interesting thing to note about this uh, as I was researching blockchain is uh, when Bitcoin first came out, blockchain started using CPUs and letting people mine coins with that. And then people moved to GPUs because of higher processing. Now a lot of people are moving to what are called ASICs, which are application-specific integrated circuits. And these are purpose-built integrated circuits. You can build them for various different things. They're not a general multi-use device like a GPU that can actually be uh, kind of tailored to, to do many different things. But they are very specifically made for mining. Uh, some of them are proprietary and they're faster and less vulnerable to attacks uh, that, that GPUs are, are vulnerable to. I've got a link to one of the blog posts from the SIA founders because there was actually some uh, controversy when they chose to do this. They started out 
uh, letting people use GPUs, and then they moved to ASICs. And they basically said they wanted to do that to set the platform up for success. Uh, but the end result is people that had been mining with GPUs uh, were not able to do so in the same capacity that they were before. So a lot of people felt kind of cut out from it. Uh, the founders have created a company called Obelisk um, to make an ASICs device specific to their, um, their network. Uh, I believe that you can use other ASICs, but um, the ones that they have through Obelisk, they're about $2,500 per machine. Um, they're taking pre-orders for them right now. They're about halfway through the, the, the pre-orders, uh, maybe 25% through. Um, and they're offering some incentives for people. So if you've got uh, you know, some extra data center space, you've got some extra space at home and some uh, uh, electricity that you don't mind burning, you can have one of these babies set up. It's about the size of a file cabinet, it looks like. And uh, you can go to town mining SIA coins. Uh, and SIA coins right now, by the way, uh, transact at a rate of about 124 SIA coins uh, to one US dollar. Uh, so if I step back and, and look at the, the overall pros and cons of this service, some of the pros are that it's decentralized, it's peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, what you put up in the cloud is encrypted and it's immutable while it's stored on the different nodes. And hosts can earn money by renting free space to, to renters. So if you've got a computer at home and you've got a lot of capacity on it and you don't use it very often, you could say, and you've got a you know, really strong fiber connection to your house or something, you could say, hey, I want to offer being a host. I'm going to start running this program. SIA is going to store little bits and pieces of every person's file on my system. And I'm not going to be able to see it because it's encrypted, but I am going to be able to earn money for offering up that capacity. There are some restrictions. You must maintain 95% uptime in order to preserve some collateral that they ask you to post uh, to guarantee the stability. Uh, but the point of this is, People get distributed file sharing from a community of nodes, um, all of which are decentralized. Nobody can see exactly what is in um, any, any file because no one has the whole file and no one has the ability to unencrypt it uh, because it's encrypted as it leaves your machine through the upload agent. Uh, but some of the possible issues with this, some of the downsides, are that uh, I don't know what the legal implications would be of a renter uploading illegal content to a host. Say a, say a renter wanted to upload a movie that they had acquired illegally or something even worse. Um, you know, I don't understand how, uh, at this time I don't understand how people would be able to catch you because the, the information is encrypted, but it could open up a legal, uh, a legal loophole where hosts become exposed if they are, uh, if they're hosting illegal files, even if it is encrypted. So. You know, if you're going to do that, definitely do some research and try to understand the consequences of that. Um, but one place that I, I did read some information about um, the ability for people to use this to store information that they wanted to distribute to others. And some people make an argument that that's a little bit cost prohibitive because it's very cheap to store the information up in the cloud. But because you do have to pay uh, uh, for the amount that is downloaded, your bandwidth, that if you put a file up there and a lot of people start leeching it, you're going to have to pay a lot of money for that bandwidth. So uh, that seemed to refute the sort of the use case of using this to store a movie and offering it to a bunch of people to come and download. Uh, some of the other issues are that some people uh, have reported that it's very slow at this point, um, and they're hoping that that will change as more systems come online and as the network grows and that there's a low number of users. 
again, like I said, this is in its infancy, but I really think this is a very interesting, innovative use of the blockchain that I hadn't thought about before, and it's interesting to see how someone could build a service around it um, with, you know, essentially a very low uh, kind of foundation of technology. Uh, I've linked in the show notes some some diagrams and charts. Uh, there's a little pricing engine where you can look at how many terabytes you want to store in the cloud and how much that costs, and it compares SIA to S3, Google Cloud, and Azure. For instance, I just took the size of a, a hard drive I have here, two terabytes, uh, to store data on uh, SIA for two terabytes. Monthly cost is $2. Download bandwidth cost is $2. So if you wanted to download that entire data set, it's going to cost you six bucks. But if you just want to put the data out there and store it, four bucks a month, 48 bucks a year, which actually makes it kind of competitive with some of the other file uh, backup services uh, like CrashPlan and some of the others. Uh, when you contrast that, $4 a month to S3, it's 40 bucks. Google Cloud is 40. Microsoft Azure is 48. Um, so it's quite a bit of, uh, of a price difference there. It's a factor of 10 right now. And again, that may be subject to change as SIA coin uh, currency conversion rates fluctuate with, with other currency. Uh, there is a tool out there called the SIA Explorer that will tell you the height of the chain, what the current block is, the total number of coins they have out there, which um, is 28.11 billion, um, the difficulty of the hashing and the estimated hash rate, uh, the actual file contracts that are out there. So you can get a lot of information of where they are currently. There are also sites out there that will show you sort of a currency conversion stock ticker type of chart uh, that compares Bitcoin to SIA coin, SIA coin to US dollars, what the coin supply is, the market capitalization, even the rate of, of inflation. So please go do some research on this. Uh, I've got lots of links on uh, the show notes for this. So they've got a website, they've got a wiki, they've got a GitHub, they've got a Slack channel, they've got a forum. Um, they've got several different sites out there. They've got a pretty active forum that you can get different information and questions answered. Um, they've also got a lot of blog posts about some of the things that they've done to enhance the platform and um, things like the, the post about ASICs. So if you haven't heard about this, take a look at it. Um, give it a thought. I would really like to hear some of the other innovative thoughts that people have for blockchain, uh, people that have read about it. Uh, you can read a lot about it being used in financial services, insurance companies, and we've actually got some point of views uh, at Capco that, uh, that talk about that a little bit. But I'd really love to hear from some people out there, so please uh, tweet at me at, at, on Twitter at Love of Data. Uh, go to the website ForTheLoveOfData.com and leave me your comments. Uh, or just shoot me a note. I would love to hear about other topics that you're interested in hearing about in the future, your thoughts on this, uh, and just anything that you find interesting about data in general. So that's going to wrap it up for today's tech spec. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you soon. This is Robert Furr, signing off.